Rock Writes, where writers rock. I'm Katrina, one of your hosts. And I'm Sheila. At Rock Writes, we love to talk to local authors living in the Rochester area and learn more about the awesome writing scene we have right here. This week's guest has a fascinating bio, which you'll hear more about in a minute. He's a middle grade author who writes fantasy, but he also merges some cool science in there as well. So without further ado, let's just jump into this. We'd like to welcome Armin Pagarian. Hi, Armin. Hi, guys. Although many authors often say their love affair with books began in their early childhood, Armin admits he wasn't an early reader. But once he picked up The Hobbit in the sixth grade, he was hooked. And like his love of books centered around fantasy and sci-fi, so has his writing. But writing is Armin's second or was it third or fourth career in life. He went to school for electrical engineering and was later commissioned as an officer in the United States Air Force. He even worked on top secret Area 51 projects where he claims, but I'm not so sure I believe him, that he never saw a single alien. Armin's endeavors since then have included an MBA, riding the internet wave and working for a biofuels company. But it wasn't until he opened a group of franchised hair salons with his wife that he finally sat down and got writing. And it doesn't seem as if you've really stopped since. Armin currently has seven books out. Misaligned, his first series, deals in Arthurian lore. And as I may have mentioned before, Arthurian stories make me really happy. But what's more interesting about Armin's series is that it also intersects with string theory, which is intriguing to say the least. His newer series, of which there are currently four, has a fifth on the way, is called The Warders, which he describes as a mashup of James Bond-like adventure in a high fantasy setting. His most recent debut in this series was The Necrotic King, which was released in 2017. If you'd like to know more about Armin, you can find him at rockrights.com, where we'll feature his social links, website, and book info. I have like so many questions about your books, but we can only do so many. Um, but Sheila's going to kick off the interview with the first one. So my first question for you is, you said that your stories are set in New York. Are they set in Rochester or somewhere else located in New York? Hi, Sheila. They're, they're actually set in a mythical town of Piper Falls, oh, which cool. is, um, think of it as, a, whether you want to think of it as Seneca Falls or Watkins Glen or something like mm-hmm. that, sort of a, a Finger Lakes small town. Did you have any troubles weaving in um, any of the more realistic elements into your story? No, actually, no, no, not not at all. Not at all. There's um, I feature some uh, lake effect snow. I feature uh, some real locations in, say, the town of Ithaca and uh, things like that. The Erie Canal gets a mention and some famous people in the area. It's cool. It's a good way to actually, you have to ground fantasy so that people will suspend disbelief. Right, right. That's really neat. Um, so did, are, are both your books kind of set in upstate New York, or is it just the, the first one? The, the whole misaligned series is. I mean, there okay. certainly are parts that are away, And whereas The Warders is a completely made-up world. I, it was, I wanted to make a map, so I, I made a map and then said I need to have a story for this. So. <laughs> Um, okay, so on to the next question. I honestly don't know much about string theory um, besides what I've like heard on Big Bang Theory. Um, can you explain a little bit about it um, in layman's terms and how you ended up weaving it together with Arthurian legend? 
Well, the the main I don't go into a lot of string theory because I do write for you know say the ten to fifteen range, and so string theory basically postulates okay. that um, there are more dimensions in the universe than we experience. Okay. And I use that concept of extra dimensions to ground paranormal and fantastic activities, saying they're not magic, they're not science, they're science, they're based on string theory. These things are extra dimensional happenings that happen in the in our world, and it just so happens that some of us are sensitive to extra-dimensional activity. Okay, that sounds relating. I, I mean, we're me and Sheila are both fantasy lovers, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to read these now. Yeah, how long have you been writing? Like, since you started? I started writing the first Misaligned book almost exactly eight years ago. Okay. In in March of 2010. So you've almost done a, a book a year. Yeah, I did. I did more in the beginning, and now I've kind of settled into one a year. I think, yeah, sort of. It it took a while to get that first one uh, published. So, how long how long did it take you to finish the first one? Well, well, there there's several levels of finish. There's what I thought was finished took about six months, and what a publisher who picked it up thought was finished didn't happen for almost two years. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, had to go through the editing process and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it started as 121,000 words, and it's published as 80,000. Okay, wow. Yeah. Well, I had to cut a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, material for a like... second book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trina knows about that. Yeah. Um, what has been your greatest obstacle, would you say, as a writer so far? Two things. Um, as a small business person and a swim coach and a parent, making time to write can be difficult yeah. and and once you have written a book the other one is getting visible getting seen marketing your book is incredibly difficult in uh in these days yeah i hear you <laughs> i know how it is all the social media that you have to do and the you know you have to be consistent with it on top of it yep there's a lot to it so you mentioned that you found a publisher so is it um an indie or is it more traditional how would you I call them a small press. They've been in okay. business for 20 years now, or I think 20 years. Okay. And um, I queried to agents and I queried to any publisher who would take a direct query. And I'll tell you, I must have gotten a uh, hundred rejections. Oh, and wow. if not, if not for the preparation of my dating life, I probably would have been pretty dejected, you know, but uh, <laughs> Tough so you tough. only, you only need one. Yes. You know, yeah, exactly. So you were pretty dedicated to getting a publisher to publish it. And, so, you know, a lot of people go the self self publishing route nowadays. Yeah. And, and actually, in, in hindsight, I don't know how big a deal that is. I mean, other there's some there's there's a pros and cons. But to be honest with you, I was 30 days away from saying I'm going to self publish these, um, get enough copies for friends and family, because apparently no one else likes this story and uh, call it a day when I got two offers. And, and the main reason I wanted a press at the time um, was I was writing for children and I believed that to get into libraries and, and things like that, I wanted to have, um, an ISBN that was a publisher ISBN, not a selfie. Right. That, that's, that's much less of a distinction these days. Okay. Um, do you, so is your misaligned series in libraries or in schools and stuff? Very few. Um, okay. oddly enough, it's in the Ontario public library in Canada. I don't know oh, okay. why, but that's cool. I'm happy about that. Yeah. And it's a couple local libraries around here. When I've done some school things, I've managed to get them to pick it up. 
Yeah. All right. Pretty neat. Okay. So now that you've answered some of the nitty gritty, we're going to get into our quirky cues. Um, as usual, we're going to tag team the questions and Sheila's going to start. You can take them away. Um, when you're writing, do you drink anything, whether it's coffee or tea or a little alcohol or nothing at all? In the winter, I drink coffee. In the summer, I drink tea. <laughs> Interesting. Cold tea? Yes, yes. I grew up in the South, so uh, the only the only thing I've done differently is I don't sweeten my tea. So Okay. <laughs> We've had, like, different answers for this one, like, almost every time, so it's always interesting. Um, so here's the next question. What book have you read that you, like, wish you could live in? Like, it, what, wor what book world would you want to live in? Yeah, that's a tough one. It kind of, it's, it's a very mood dependent question. So, <laughs> you know, given, given where I started, Tolkien's world would be a great place to visit, but I'm not sure I'd want to live there. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I think not to be uh, Mr. Pop popular guy, but Harry Potter would be really cool because it's familiar and there's magic. Right. Um, and if I had to pick sci-fi, I'd go with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with an author named Alex Benedict um, or the Alex Benedict series by a guy named Jack McDevitt. It's basically a, an Indiana Jones type guy, 10,000 years in the future. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't heard that one. It's kind of cool. He's got quite a few books out. Um, it, it's an interesting series of, of a future guy doing, um, archeology span looking back, not quite as far as where we are, but that type of thing. Space archeology. span It's a weird genre. Yeah. Yeah. Probably is it like the only of its kind. It helps you be number one in the list. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're typing, what's your favorite font? Oh, I don't really like fonts with serifs. So, of course, all my books are in Times New Roman. Mm -hmm. But uh, if I, ha I, I if I had to pick one, I'd pick Calibri. Um, I like that but one. I, I don't really know why. Yeah. It's simple. I think it's easy to read. Yes, I, I, as I as as well as you guys approach my age in the dim and distant future, you'll appreciate the non-serifed uh, fonts. <laughs> yeah, me and Sheila have had arguments over fonts for like the website and everything else. So yeah, well, fonts are important. Um, what is your secret to keeping motivated? To write? I don't really. Yeah, I don't really have a secret. I'm a bit of a plotter. You know, not not plotting, but plod as in slow. Right. Um, you know, if I was a horse, I'd be a Clydesdale or something. Um, I write, I try and write, when I'm writing, I try and write a set number of words every day, and I track it. So in one series, it's 500, and the other, it's 1,000. And I make sure I write those 500 words, and even if they're total junk, um, sometimes I've discovered some really favorite characters and quirky things in surprising spots. So even if none of those words make it to the final edit, it's worth doing and it keeps me moving. Right. So you do, you make yourself right every day? Um, generally, I think the, the, the last Waters book, I wrote 89 straight days oh, every wow. day. And good. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, tough. I could never do one of those nano, whatever those right in a month. Yeah. The nano Rimo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need more brain time to, to cogitate stuff. So I will write junk sometimes you know, two or three days where I wrote 1500 words and I'm like, none of this is going to make it, but it's helping me get through to where I need to be. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I do take time off. Like right now I'm on a little time off because my son's back from college and um, it's hard to make time with him here. Right. Yeah. 
right, well, that's still really dedicated. Better than how I get to it. So, discipline is key for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What word do you love? I love the word onomatopoeia. <laughs> and I, I think I like the sound of it. And I also, I'll admit that what it actually stands for, I have trouble doing. So it's kind of, you know, like a scream. It's kind of become a running joke with my kids. Anytime a person screams in my book, it's always, aye, um, <laughs> always. And they're like, where's the aye this time, dad? Whenever they read my books, they're waiting <laughs> to find it. Because yeah. I'm just not good with that. Yeah. <laughs> but you like the word. <laughs> I do like the word onomatopoeia, and I like words that sound like stuff. I just don't vocalize them well or, or write them well. <laughs> um, okay, so what? what is your favorite escape story? Yeah, I would have to say um, probably Tolkien and probably The Hobbit, not The Lord of the Rings. It's a little lighter. It's maybe it's, you know, going back to the first book you read kind of thing. I, I don't right. mean for it to be that, but I, I can pick that up, read any piece of it. And, um, you know, it's fine. I'll read other Tolkien stuff, too. And I'll freely admit that um, I sat through the entire series of Silmarillion seminar from the Tolkien professor <laughs> as a podcast. Yeah. And was and was bummed when he lost the last two episodes and I had to wait six months to hear them. But uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of a Tolkien nerd. But yeah. uh, so I can it's easy to read. It's one of those. It's a familiar place. You don't have to do a lot of, dare I say, thinking to do it. How many times would you say you've read it? Innumerable. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a dozen. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. No. Time to go along with the fantasy theme. But what superpower would you like to have if you could have any superpower? You, well, the superpower. I think one of the things that uh, is a weakness for me is, oddly enough for a writer, is language. Foreign languages in particular. I don't particularly speak any. So I'd, I'd like the power of universal language translation. Hmm. Um, so I could understand anybody and talk to anybody. Um, when I was a kid, I loved the whole concept of Dr. Doolittle and animals. So maybe I'd roll that in, too. Yeah. Um, I've It'd never be heard cool. of that I, one before. Yeah. I'd want to communicate with them. I wouldn't want things like to control people or know what they're thinking. Then life would be boring, and, <laughs> and I don't need any more boring. Yeah. So I think talking with them, and it would it includes space aliens, by the way, if there yeah. were any. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's galactic, right? Galactic superpower. <laughs> yes. All right, so if you could meet any writer, dead or alive, who would you meet? So I'm going to cheat again. Um, the three T's, Tolkien, Twain, and Thoreau. Okay. Um, Tolkien, because he got my love of fantasy and reading and really got me started. Yeah. Twain, because I like his sense of humor that mm -hmm. he brought to writing. I think he'd be interesting. I'd like to match which with him. I'm sure I would lose, but I'd like to see how many seconds I could last. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Thoreau, just, uh, I read him way back in high school, and I liked him, but my kids have really liked him. They've turned me back onto him, and, you know, I like the way he's shaped we share some philosophical ideas about simplification and the balance between nature and civilization. And he's the guy who did the allow people to follow their own drummer. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of good things to say. <laughs> what would your browser history say about you? If um, somebody were to look at it. 
I'm a nerd. <laughs> Lots of history, science, current affairs, and a, a decent number of sports, depending on what's going on. Yeah. So, and I do a lot of my, I do most of my book research there too. Right. So you might have something crazy. <laughs> some, some long, yeah, some detail about the pyramids or, or string theory or something. Right. This is when I always like to ask, um, do you read the last page of a book before you finished it ever? Never. <laughs> really? I have, I have never done that. Do you judge ever. people who do? <laughs> Would I be lying if I said no? Maybe. <laughs> oh, dear. This is why I asked this one. <laughs> there's so many, there's like actually, I, I mean, I've heard people argue about this before and get upset that other people do this. So I just think it's an interesting question it, to ask people. Uh, um, I mean, Again, the different drummer thing. Do what you want to do, but for me, um, I want to, especially now that I'm a writer, I appreciate all the more how they lay it out and how they lead you to the end or how they help you get there, what they, the crumbs they leave along the way. And I, I, I would feel I'd be betraying the author's creativity, if you will. Right. Um, but you know, if that's how someone enjoys my book, please buy it and do that. I'll live with that. <laughs> I do it sometimes, quite honestly. So now I feel guilty about it and betraying the writer. <laughs> when I think well, about that's it, okay. I, if, as long as you buy the book, I'm sure they'll get over it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> so, for someone who worked in Area 51, do you believe in aliens or, you know, life out in the world? Well, I certainly yeah, believe that's... in life in the world, but as far as <laughs> it's life in space, um, yes. the universe is so big to believe that there's not some other life out there it boggles my mind that it would that there wouldn't be some whether we'll ever given the vastness and the size of space as to far as and how long civilizations probably last or don't last as the case may be we may never actually meet them but i would believe there's certainly life whether there's intelligent life i'd like to think yes i see no reason to say no but it's one of those you can't prove it till you see it and it's going to be hard to prove and mm -hmm. area 51 doesn't do it for you <laughs> Maybe, I believe you. Well, I, I got to say that in case the Air Force is listening, you know. <laughs> okay, so leading off of that, would you go on a spaceship to colonize Mars? And they keep talking about it, so I'm, it's interesting to think about. I, I'd visit the spaceship, but I don't think I'd go to Mars. I'd yeah. want to see the ship. I don't yeah. think I'd go to Mars. I'm a little too old for that. Right. Um, and I would miss, the, the, uh, I'm a bit of a homebody, I would miss my, my family. And that type of thing. It's a one-way trip. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's what I've read. So <laughs> I can't. It's crazy to think about. So um, if you were to write a book about yourself, what would you name it? You know, I, I don't know that I have a good one. Um, so I think I'll go with my, my website's tagline. Um, a mind that wanders often wonders. Hmm. I, like I like that it. one. Okay, it, it, so. There's not a lot of thought into that, but it, it, it describes me. Yeah. Well, that's all. That's that's all it should. If you're gonna write a book about yourself, it should describe you. So that works. Okay. So we're gonna kind of wrap this up with a reading from you. So whenever you're ready, we would love to hear what you're gonna share with us. Can you just tell us which, what it's from before you start? Sure. I'm gonna go with. Um, uh, a selection from Misaligned, The Celtic Connection, which is the first book in that series. Okay. Um, it's, I won't give any setup. I'll just read it, and we'll see how it goes. Okay. 
She contemplated waiting until the winter break to take her trip to Britain, but decided the sooner she started, the sooner she would finish. She lied about a sick relative and got Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving break off. The extra two days gave her more than a week in Britain. Before leaving, she called the British National Historical Society and let them know she was returning for a brief visit. They were surprised since she had just left in August. She told them she missed the dirty work and didn't want to get left behind when they made their next big discovery. As usual, her charm convinced them and they agreed to give her access to the sites. Having established her cover, she contacted a few less reputable characters who had helped her in the past. She lied to them too, claiming to work for a wealthy patron interested in items related to druid rituals. A few had minor trinkets they tried to sell, but only one had any leads on actual druid rituals, and he was a most slippery character. In the underground antiquities trade, he was known as Bothius. Much like the druids, he was a secretive and guarded his true identity. He carried out most of his transactions through post office boxes, train station lockers, and other anonymous exchanges. When he did agree to meet his clients in person, he always chose a restaurant and always arrived before them. He never used the same restaurant twice. He gave his clients a name to give the hostess, who escorted them to his table. It was always in a dark corner, but not so secluded that his clients could take advantage of him. In short, he was a cautious man who, among his peers of cheats, liars, and thieves, was held in the highest professional regard. Because of the urgency of Ms. Morgan's request and her generous payment terms, both these agreed to meet her when she arrived in London. She was meeting Mr. Akalon for lunch in the Copper Mug Pub at 12.30. She smiled to the reference to Morgan Le Fay's conspirator and lover from Arthurian legend. Whoever Bothius really was, he had a sense of humor. Thank you. I love Morgan Le Fay. She's my favorite character, so I like the mention. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so now we just want to ask you to kind of tell us where we can find you. And if, you know, if there's any bookstores or your books are sold locally feel free to plug that. Sure. Um, Liftbridge Bookstore carries my books. Okay. Um, I've, I've done some events there. And uh, all, all the major e-retailers carry my books, as well as you can buy them paperback through Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon. Um, I, I, am, I will do speaking engagements, and my rates can't be beat. Um, <laughs> I, I do some things with the the local middle schools where I am, I do a career day and I do speaking and I've done some book events. I did some things at local libraries. I'm happy to do any of those uh, as long as they work into my schedule and it, you know, it's a good fit. I, I don't want to go to a romance themed uh, book right. thing because that's just not really me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I, I have a Facebook page and a web page, Armin Pogarian pretty much. I'm the only one in the United States last I checked, at least oh, wow. who's alive. That's a good thing to have when you're an author. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, and you have a new book you're writing, and is there any kind of release date or p potential tentative one? I'm shooting for the summer. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be August or September. I'm about uh, halfway through. It's. Uh, I'll even release a little tidbit. It's. Um, it's another Waters book. It's Waters book five, and it's tentatively titled "The Demon's Debt." Well, definitely let us know about that, and we will definitely share it. And thank you for joining you. us tonight. Yeah, thank you very much you. for having me. Yep. Thank you. You guys have, have a good, have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of Rock Rights. To learn more, check out our website at rockrights.com. 
Tune in next week when we will be chatting with Joy Keller, a local children's book author. Until then, happy reading.